Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening, good evening, good evening. This is Joe with the Cotton Cub Crew coming to you on this November 9th from the heart of the South Plains in Texas Tech in the 806. A little cold and chilly outside, a little wet outside if you're here in the Lubbock area. I know a cold front came in the other day or today, earlier today, and kind of ran through the top part of Texas. So if you're out there, please stay warm, be safe out there driving in those roads. But we are coming to you today with the Kansas preview as our four and five Texas Tech Red Raiders head to David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium to take on the number 19 and seven and two Kansas Jayhawks of the Big 12 Big game as Tech looks to continue their win streak on their drive to make it to a bowl game. And it a lot of a lot of stuff's on, on tap. You know, this is like I said, we're looking to stack some wins. We got the first win out of the three that we needed last week against TCU. Looking to take some momentum into Kansas this weekend. Um, 11 a.m. kick on FS1. If you're planning on watching the game. I am uh, joined by, or I'm joined with Reed this evening to go over the Kansas game with you guys, and we'll kind of talk about what we need to do potentially offensively, what we need to do defensively um, to come out of of um, Lawrence with a W. Texas Tech holds the overall series against the Jayhawks 22 to two out of the 24 matchups that they've had thus far. I'm looking for win 23, trying to get another win to go towards that bowl schedule or to be coming bowl eligible. So let's jump into it. Reed, how are you doing this evening, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. Been busy. Uh, all kinds of stuff outside of football. Haven't having to worry about, but that's uh, that's everybody focused on tech, trying to trying to make a push for a bowl game here. Um Obviously not the uh, season I expected up to this point, but we got a we got a few good opportunities to go go uh, go win a couple of big games down the stretch here. 
Yeah, perfect opportunity, perfect opportunity to salvage the season. Not saying that this season is all lost, but I know in I know in some people's eyes it is lost given the kind of hype that Texas Tech had around the program going into the season, a dark horse Big 12 contender, a dark horse, you know, getting into a solid bowl game, things like that. Obviously, the chips haven't fallen, haven't gone our way, and we're sitting here fighting for a a bowl game berth. So this is game two of the game four stretch that, you know, games that we need to win to, to get closer to our goal there of just becoming bowl eligible. So Reed, I'm going to kick off tonight with the Kansas offense. Uh, we're going to start at the quarterback position and the running back position. I don't believe we're going to see Daniel. He's been banged up for a majority of the year. So it looks like it's going to be another Jason Bean shoulder run. Obviously, he can hurt you with his feet, but he hasn't quite having haven't had to use his feet necessarily much this year. When you have a back like David Neal and Daniel Hishaw back there rushing the ball and scoring as they have nine touchdowns on the year for Neal, eight touchdowns on the year for Hishaw, a great running back tandem. Wish you had a tandem like that at any level in college football to have a one two punch like that. So what are you seeing on the on the backfield for Kansas that poses the biggest problem for this Texas Tech defense? Yeah, I would really say um, honestly both both positions really kind of pose a threat for um, what what I know our defense has has been lackluster at at, at times. Um, primarily, the first thing we were mentioning, you know, pre-show obviously is quarterback run game. Um, we had mentioned how Kansas State kind of gashed us in that way. I don't necessarily think that this is going to be the same type of quarterback run. I think it's going to be a lot of offhand scrambles, um, like if, if the play's broken and he Bean can take off and hurt you with some speed on the outside. Uh, and then obviously, too, I, I think their running back room is pretty, pretty solid in, in the Big 12 with um, getting some breakaway runs and getting the ball in the end zone. So, we're going to have our hands full with the entire offense. Um, I think it's one of the more balanced offenses in the conference from, you know, front to beginning. Um, I haven't had a huge chance to watch much of them at all this year, but, I mean, just going back to the game we played them last year, I mean, they, they could score it well at times, and I don't think this year is going to be really any different for, uh, um, you know, really any side of the ball for, for them on, on, on offense. So um, we're going to have our hands full. Like I said, I, I think this is – uh, more of a challenge, and some people may see it as. Uh, obviously, they've beaten Oklahoma this year and um, beaten some other good teams, and uh, they're they're ranked inside the top 20 for what seems like the first time probably since I've been alive <laughs> uh, for, the, for the most part. So um, they, they're heading in the right direction as a program. And, um, yeah, just like I said, we're going to have our hands full with, with the backfield and the entire offense as a whole, I think. Yeah, the the backfield there is a, is a backfield that you could only, you know, kind of dream of in in the college and collegiate level. You have two backs over 500 yards, nine games in, 17 touchdowns between both of them, and they're averaging just about six yards a carry um, between both of them as well. I mean, you can't ask for a better duo than that. I mean, as a Tech fan, I would really wish that we had that between Cam and Taj because they do have that kind of power to be there. But it is really good to see 
to, really good for your quarterback to have a tandem back there to where if one guy needs a blow, the other guy that's coming in is just as good as the guy that you just took out. So I think that's kind of helped Jason Bean a lot this year. And as soon as I start going over these next statistics with you about the receiving group and things like that, the this will all start to make sense as how much an offense could be totally changed whenever you have a solid running back group. So we have with the wide receivers and tight end group for Kansas, they have five receivers over 20 yards. I mean, I'm sorry, five receivers over 20 receptions on the year, and all of them have two plus touchdowns. You have Arnold, Skinner, Grimm, and Wilson, all with two touchdowns. Um, Wilson is the, the least guy with 10 receptions, but you also do have a running back out of the backfield, Mr. Neal himself, with 21 receptions, with one touchdown. These guys come at you from so many directions from the backfield. They hit you with the tight end, and then they have three to four capable wide receivers that could hurt you at it at any given night. So the tech secondary is going to have their hands full. Reed, going back to you on the defensive secondary, which we thought was going to be a handful. We had a lot of, of older veteran guys coming back. They quite haven't played up to their potential this year. How crucial of a game is this for the secondary group, for the, for the Red Raiders to have a good game against this kind of dynamic passing attack? Yeah, I mean it's, it's definitely going to be crucial. Um, I would I would say just on um, experience in the last game or two, primarily the TCU game, I feel like both of our safeties and our star played pretty well uh, against TCU. Obviously, Rabbit had two picks, and then uh, it seemed like Baskerville was kind of all over the field in that um, in that position. I knew him and Tyler Owens had just recently switched uh, over the bye week, which. It's a risky move, honestly, to do that late in the season, but um, it seemed like it worked out for, for a benefit against TCU. So um, those those three guys, I feel like, played pretty solid against the Horn Frogs. So my, my question is going to be, you know, if we can find two corners that can play a solid game all the way through. Um, I know we, we've got a few guys that we rotate through in and out, and uh, I think um, I believe it was Marion Horn played a little bit against TCU as well. That was the first time I'd really seen him get a ton, a ton of minutes uh, off of you know what I had seen. But um, we're going to have to have a couple of guys that can can step up and can challenge these receivers at the line and uh, make them make them earn every yard they're they're trying to get, especially if they're you know trying to break it open downfield and stuff. And um, that's that's another thing going back to the safeties is that they can't just worry about getting beat over the top. They're going to have to come downhill and be able to uh, stop these two running backs as well. So. Like I mentioned earlier, they got a lot of ways they can hurt you. Obviously, you mentioned the tight ends as well, and I mean they've they're pretty solid at, at every position on offense. And um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot on everybody's plate on the defensive side. But I think the only real position we may have a chance to exploit them is on the edge on the line there. So I'm hoping either uh, you know Miles Cole, <clears throat> excuse me, Miles Cole, or um, Steve Linton. Can you know, kind of, kind of do some damage on the outside and get to the quarterback a little bit, uh, make him make some some throws under pressure and stuff like that to try and mix him up a little bit. This is one of those games where it's just like pick your poison, right? Kansas has all these different weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Where do you want to focus your all your energy and attention to? 
I think this is going to come down to a game of strategies. This is what Tim DeRuiter has thrived on at, in his tenure here at Texas Tech, making the adjustments as needed. I believe another week health and a week of practice for Jacob Rodriguez is crucial here. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to use his red shirt because I know that that's still kind of on the table as well, given the, the injury. So I'm not exactly sure if he's even going to play, but I do believe he's going to play. And I do think he's going to make a huge, huge, um, or he'll be a huge contributor for this game and getting people lined up, getting our guys where they need to be. We do also get Steve Linton back on the defensive side. He didn't play against TCU. So all to your point, it has to be a collective group. It can't just be one group carrying the other because they could hit you in so many ways. Our linebacking group is going to have to make plays. They're going to have to follow tight ends. They're going to have to follow running backs out of the backfield. They're going to be running all over the place. This is the most crucial time also for, for our defensive line to get home and bring down the quarterback. Bean doesn't necessarily rush a whole lot. He only has about 150 yards rushing on the year. But if you give him the opportunity to break contain, he will hurt you with his feet. He has that kind of presence back there to pick up a third down, to pick up something short whenever the play's broken down. So you have to keep contain, stay in your lanes, and wrap up when you're given the opportunity to make a tackle and bring him to the ground rush some throws maybe you get an Aaron throw from him and you know we have another repeat day for rabbit in the in the back where he picks the ball off two times these are all things that need to happen for us to be successful and for us to also slow down this high-powered Jayhawk offense I mean they just like I said they just pick your poison where do you want to start you it has to be a collective group like I said it's just one of those things you have to be sound. This is one of those games. You have to be completely sound. Or if you start getting gashed one way or the other, you fall behind. Then you're putting your offense in a very difficult spot to keep you competitive in the game. And it, it could ultimately turn into a track meet. And you don't want that to happen. So we'll see what the Tech defense does this weekend. It is an early kick. I think that may potentially help our guys out as well. Who knows? We haven't had one of those kickoffs at all this year. So that's to be determined. So Reed jumping over back to our offensive side of the ball. Baron Morton came back against TCU, looked a whole lot more comfortable in the pocket. It looked like he had the arm strength there. It looked like, you know, he was at least 90%. I still don't think he's a hundred percent because those AC joint injuries, they do take some time to recover from. And depending on what grade that AC joint was, you know, it could be anywhere between two and five weeks. It's kind of been somewhere in between there. He's been playing hurt. He hasn't been playing, He, you know, things like that. So given Baron Morton's state of health, where he's at right now, do you see him being relied upon a little bit more in a game like this against a Jayhawk defense that's surrendering about 230 plus passing yards a game? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, uh, to, to your point there, I think he looked a lot more comfortable throwing the ball against TCU. Um, there was a few times we, we went the, took the ball downfield some where, um, you know, against Baylor, K-State, where we were, weren't really able to do that with him uh, just because of the status of his arm. So 
Um, I mean, honestly, I knew he was hurt, but I didn't realize how bad it was until uh, he ended up going out against Kansas State. So um, it was it was good to have that bye week, I think, after the BYU game to get him back. Because um, no offense to Jake Strong, but I think it was evident that he's not ready to go at this this level of the game yet. So um, that is what it is. Hopefully down the road he can, he can turn into something for us, um, beneficial where we can play him and stuff. But um, at this point where you're trying to get a bowl game, and uh, you got two ranked opponents left on your schedule out of the last three games, and you know both of those being on the road, you need somebody that's that's won some Big Twelve games before and has some experience throwing the ball um, against decent defenses. So definitely huge to have back. Um, also helps you get one of the best running backs in the nation standing behind him. So uh, I, I haven't had the uh, um, you know chance to watch much Kansas this year, um, nor do I have like their defensive rushing stats right in front of me here. But in the past, they, I mean, the, the defense has not been the strength for them. Um, I'm pretty sure that continues to stay the same. So I think if we're ever, you know, struggling to get the ball downfield, it's, it's never going to be a huge problem for them to just turn around and give the ball to Taj a little bit. So um, I, I've got a feeling he, he's going to have a good game. I think both of them will, and uh, they're going to have to in order for us to win because – um, I don't. I don't think it'll necessarily turn into a track meet, but I do think Kansas is going to score the ball um, pretty handily at times. So we're going to have to be scoring the ball pretty pretty well in return in order to keep up with them. Touching on those rushing numbers for the Kansas defense, they are allowing 163 yards per game on the ground to opposing running backs. You have a top five running back in the nation. You have the number one running back in the nation in making people miss. And you've been riding Taj over these last couple of weeks. You've been giving him the ball. I think it's 25 plus carries a game the last three games, if I'm not mistaken. And this is another game where that continues, I believe. I think he'll stay right around the 25 carry mark for this particular game. Because I do believe that we're going to have to rely on Baron, Baron, um, Baron's arm a little bit more in this game than we did in the TCU game. I believe he's up to the challenge and we'll get there. But I think this is one of those games where this is where we need Brooks to beat up the defense. And by that, I mean just wear him out, just con- con- just continuously just running it at him and, you know, getting him hurt or making them tired. You know, this is one of those games where I think he's going to be utilized more in the fourth quarter as opposed to quarters one, two, and three, because by, t- by the time they get to quarter four there, they are just gassed and they're try they're tired of seeing number 28 come at it, coming at them and coming at them and coming at them. Um, this is a huge, huge game, obviously for multiple reasons on the tech side and for the Kansas side. I mean, they're, they're vying for a potential, Big 12 championship right now. They have they've they've done enough to be in that conversation. Their schedule we'll touch on here in a second. I mean, they haven't really beat the brakes off of anybody. Their losses, it was a close loss minus the Texas one. We'll touch on that here second. But as far as offensive wise going with our running back group, I do want to see a little bit more Cam Valdez to kind of give Taj those blows there. So he could get that juice back up and then just go in for for some more. These these are 
those games that you need him as close to 100% each time he's getting the ball. And I think this is, hopefully, Kitley knows that to give give your guy a little bit of a blow back there, get Cam in there to take some take some stress and some carries off of Taj's back just so he is available for that fourth quarter to give everything he has. And and like I said, this this is another game that's a very winnable game. It there's nothing about this Kansas team that that says, you know, national powerhouse, you know, that they're middle of the road offense in the Big 12, middle of the road defense in the Big 12. This is I mean, they come at you a bunch of different ways on the offensive side, but defensive side, they're just as average as we are on defense. I mean, Tech has all the makings to to be able to win this game to continue to get to that three games out of the next four to become bowl eligible. And we'll just touch on that here right now. Um, no, you know what? No, let's, let's talk about our wide receiver group. I completely forgot about them. We had some playmakers the last game against TCU. Multiple players were involved. Cole Eakin was involved. Dre McCray was involved. Miles Price was involved. Well, over 10 different receivers had a reception. I mean, this is one of those games where the ball was kind of just spread out all over the yard. Reed, is this another one of those games where our our receivers, our tight end group, have to take another step forward for this team to be successful in going towards those three wins out of the last four? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be collective effort um, on, on that side of the ball, obviously. Uh, I do think Baron and, and Taj are going to have to play at a pretty um, supreme level in order for us to win. But uh, one guy I'd like to see a, at least get some more touches and looks is, is probably Jaron Bradley. Um, he came in with some pretty large aspirations this year from, I mean, a tech standpoint and, and a national outlook. Uh, he was on some, some preseason watch list. And I don't know if it's um, – been just the style of game we played or him not getting open or you know what it is just not getting the ball to him with uh, revolving door quarterbacks again but it just seems like he's been non-existent at times this year so I would uh, I would like to think we could we can try and get him you know some stuff to get him open I mean he's 6'6", 6'5", wide receiver he's, he's going to have a pretty good matchup against any corner you throw at him so um, I think that's probably going to be the same this weekend against Kansas um, obviously I, I think the staff is pretty big uh, fans of Koi Eakin. I don't have a problem with him by any means, but I do think Jaron Bradley poses a bigger threat for, for some defenses than Koi does at this point in time. So um, I, I'd like to see him get involved. And obviously, you got uh, Miles in the slot with, um, um, I'm trying to blank on the tight end's name right now. Apologies there, but uh, a cup. Um, Baylor so, cup. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, he's going to have to do some more work. He's been good the last few weeks with, uh, with Tharp out. Um, possibly wondering when, when Tharp will even be back, really. I'm not even sure what his status is right now, but uh, Cup's been pretty good. So, uh, we, I mean, we've got guys that can, can make plays. It's just a matter of, you know, A, drawing the plays up and B, executing the plays that they're getting. So, uh, I, I think we got people that can take advantage of, uh, like you said, a middle-of-the-road defense in Kansas. They're not stifling by any means at really any level. So, um, I, I think there's some guys out there that can have a big day if they go out there and take it. Yeah, Jared Bradley, preseason hype. I mean, all all hype that was deserved. I mean, freshman All-American last year, 
made a lot of plays for the tech offense last year, just hasn't kind of fit that same kind of mold in that same kind of season as he had last year, which to your point, you know, the revolving door at our quarterback position is pretty tough to, to sustain that kind of season or potential season for yourself. Whenever you're your number one quarterback, the guy that you practice the most with goes down for the season. And then you bring in the backup, which Baron I know has taken some number one snaps anyway, it's just they don't have that same kind of connection. It seems that Koi Eakin and Barron have a better connection right now than Jared and Barron. That's just how those things work out in football. I mean, that's on any level. You know, you have guys that you just connect with more. And there's a statistic on it somewhere out there that I read that Barron completed 82% of his passes when throwing to his left. And that's where Koi Eakin lines up is on his left side. So take that for what it is. But Koi Eakin, I believe, is just going to continue to get the ball a whole lot more. You start focusing in on one guy on the defensive side, then that opens the door for all your other guys, your Baylor Cups, your Xavier Whites, your Bradleys, your Miles Price, your Dre McCrays. Those guys of the world, you know, to potentially open up this offense. So the receiving group, like I said, they've taken a lot of scrutiny. They've taken a lot of bad pub for not being able to create separation, for not being for for just a lackluster season thus far. I mean, by everybody's accounts and by their own accounts, I mean, because I'm pretty sure that their own standards are higher than any of our, the standards that your normal tech fan expected out of this group. So I believe that they're they're going to have to move. This is another part of this offense that's going to have to get the job done for us to be able to compete against this Kansas team on Saturday in Lawrence. Jumping real quick into the their schedule side of it, Reed, we were talking about it pre-show about their game about their games this year and trying to like kind of go over and how would you call their season i mean a win at missouri state or i'm sorry a win against missouri state illinois nevada byu a beatdown that they received in austin then they come back and beat down ucf they lose to a, a hot oklahoma state team which still isn't really great in my eyes they beat Oklahoma and they beat Iowa State last last weekend. All none of them have been like more than ten point games. All of them within one score. So, do you? This team is beatable. I mean, that's just end of story. This team is beatable. The ball's kind of fallen in their way more times than not this year. Do you see their season going more like a TCU season last year? Or do you see their team? more like a Texas Tech season last year where, you know, the ball just kind of stayed going our way late games, and then they were ultimately able to get the job done. Yeah, I think it's probably leans more towards the uh, Tech side of things. Obviously, TCU was um, a more miraculous story than, than most people could probably depict with the, the, the playoff uh, entrance and then making it to the title game. But um, to an extent, I, I see some of that, but um, I, I think the tech, you know, relation is probably pretty similar. Obviously, I, their record's a little bit better at this point in time than ours was a year ago. Um, but the, the two things I would look at is that, um, 
I feel like they've beaten two quality opponents the last two weeks. Uh, obviously, in Oklahoma, who was undefeated at the time, and then um, Iowa State on the road, which is never uh, an easy game to win, uh, especially when you're you're playing there later in the year when it, when it's a lot colder. So um, that would be the mo- the thing I'd be most worried about playing Kansas right now. It seems like they're playing their their best ball at the moment. So, um, but they, again, I mean, full circle, they haven't really beaten anybody very handily minus UCF, I think you said, and then um, I mean Missouri State and. Um, I think they, they beat Illinois, but obviously they're not having a great year either. So, um, no, nothing scares me, I guess, about Kansas really. But at the same time, they're a very sound team. So, um, and there's been a lot of times we have not been very sound. So if we come out there and play like we did, um, you know, against BYU on the offense, then you, you're probably going to lose by three touchdowns. So. Um, there's there's definitely ways you can lose this game, but at the same time, if if you're able to play good ball on both sides, there there shouldn't be a reason you, you can't win this game either. So, um, I mean, Kansas has a pretty pretty bright future ahead of them. Even this year, obviously, if they beat us, then um, they're sitting at eight and two with a couple of games to try and sneak their way into a college. I mean, not a college playoff, um, Big Twelve championship. Two different things there, um, which I mean. As you told me that three years ago, I wouldn't have believed you that Kansas would have a shot to do that. So um, definitely a team that's that's on the rise and somebody that's, that's probably going to be good for an extended period if they're able to keep light bulbs. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's a good challenge for our guys and hopefully we're ready to go. And, you know, having Baron healthy, I think is going to help us quite a bit. All righty. Going back into more so of the game itself. You have our offensive side of the ball. Let's just start on that side of the ball. It's easy to go Taj Brooks. Like, this is a guy who needs to have another stellar day in the office for this team to be successful. But Taj Brooks aside, who is the player that you see that needs to have a big breakout kind of game for Texas Tech to be successful on Saturday? I don't know if this is uh, breaking breaking the rule of question or not, but um, I'm I'm probably going to go with their offensive line as a whole unit. Um, I I think they played a little bit better against TCU after they made the switch um, of uh, of putting Wilburn back at center and then Stats back over to guard. Um, didn't seem like we had any, any snapping issues that I can remember off the top of my head, and uh, it seemed like the unit. Played pretty solid for the most part. Um, played pretty well in the run game and didn't give up anything crazy during during pass pro. So I would uh, I would say that for, for for sure they need to play well against. Um, just going back, it's probably just an average defensive, you know, front seven for Kansas. Really, nothing that should should be anything uh, to heavily worry about. So uh, outside of that, I, I'm gonna have to go back to my guy Jaron Bradley. Man, I, I I think he needs to have a big game. Um, I'm sure he he feels like he needs to be more involved, knowing how uh, players of that caliber are. Because I mean, we see him when he can do when he gets a lot of looks. So uh, I think we can we can exploit their their secondary. Like I said, he's 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 a big kid. He's got to have some advantages against most DBs he go he lines up against. So um, I think we 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 try and get him the ball a little bit. Um, I don't I don't think it's gonna be a bad thing for us either. I'm with you on that offensive line. Um, as my 1A, as I guess player the uh, players that need to have a good game. 
you move Dennis Wilburn back to the center position, Rusty over to the guard position, and then you have Jacoby Jackson there in the other guard position as we wait for um, the return of Cole Spencer. Not exactly sure if that's potentially this game or if it's going to be next week against Central Florida, but the offensive line in a hole against TCU did very well, um, with the exception to the first three drives of the third quarter um, where we stalled out. We had some penalties there, some some things that kind of held us back to get TCU back in the game. But overall, they had a, a fairly clean game up front. So I'm I'm there with you on our offensive line. Having a needing to have a solid performance against a a defensive front that doesn't like I said, they just don't scare scare you. It's not Georgia, it's not Texas, it's not one of those kinds of fronts. They do allow a lot of rushing yards. They do allow the quarterback to kind of sling the ball wherever he wants to. So this is one of those games that, you know, they have to be sound and that's discipline side with penalties, snaps, you know, getting your guide, all those things. So I I'm there with you. Um, but my player to watch who needs to have a big game or who can have a big game because he's an energy guy. He's that lightning bolt for our offense whenever he gets involved. And that is miles price. I think if we're able to get him out in the slot, move him around some, get him the ball in the open field, it'll make things a little bit easier for Taj and the running game. And it'll open up a whole lot of different things for the rest of our wide receivers and tight ends, including Jared Bradley, Koi Eakin, Baylor Cup, those kinds of guys. So my guys to watch is going to be Miles Price. I believe this is one of those games where he's going to kind of take over the game if given the opportunity because he's that kind of talent. Um, anything you throw in his general vicinity, he's going to come down with it, and he's a fiery guy, an energy guy. So if we're able to get Miles Price involved early in this game, I, I see a lot of good things going for the Red Raiders on Saturday morning, and we'll see what Kit League kind of calls. You know, he's been up and down. We've seen it all year, and – We'll see what kind of game plan Kitley has for this for this Kansas defense. So moving back over to the defensive side, Reed, defensive player to watch. This is going to be crucial because there's so many ways Kansas offense could hurt you, as we alluded to earlier in the segment. Which player or players or position groups, because it's, like I said, pick your poison with the Kansas offense. Which one of those do you have your eyes on that are needing to have a big game to slow this high-powered Jayhawk offense? I feel like it might be uh, might be taking your answer here, but I'm probably going to go Jacob Rodriguez. Just, um, I mean, based on what I saw out of him last year, I think it was evident he was your best linebacker uh, returning and. In the few minutes in, in drives he played in Wyoming, I think it was still pretty evident he was by far your best linebacker. So um, having him back, and uh, I don't even want to say 100% because I don't think he is by any means, but just relatively healthy, even on a pitch count, I think he, he makes a big difference to um, really in the run game. But, um, I mean, there was I, I remember him. Being in a play last week against TCU, he broke up a pass on the outside and he almost jumped the route and picked it off. So stuff like that we have not seen a linebacker do this year. Um, I think Bryce Ramirez is still trying to find his way a little bit. I think he, he plays more outside rush a little bit than anything. Um, 
and then obviously Ben Roberts has been pretty good this year for us, but he's still he's still learning the ropes. I mean, he's he's, he's a freshman, so I, I don't expect him to you know play at a, a conference level of any kind. So um, they're all three or you know whoever's in there, all four or whatever that may be, can have their hands full with Bean because he's obviously spread the ball around pretty well um, amongst everybody on the offense at, at every position. So. Um, Definitely looking at that group because, um, I mean, I, I think it is probably our, our worst group on the defense. Um, a lot of that just attributes to lack of uh, experience. So uh, hopefully long term that becomes a strength uh, again like it used to be. But um, they're they're going to have to play a good game both in the run game and the pass in order for us to, you know, kind of contain the, off, the uh, Kansas offense a little bit. I'm fine with that. Jacob Rodriguez was not going to be my choice, um, to be honest. Um, ben Roberts has done well. He leads this team in tackles with 76, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So that's huge for him moving forward. There are still lapses that where you see the youth there with Ben, which you could deal with because of the greatness he's done and the consistency he's he's played since he's been thrown into the mix. So he gets a little bit of a pass. He's he's learning every day that position. He is going to be a solid linebacker at this university. He has all the tools. He's got the speed. He could bring you down. He's a hell of a football player. So I do see the linebacking group getting more solid as the years come along with some of the guys that we've recruited and the, some of the guys that are already on this team. But my my guys to watch are going to be our DBs. Not just one in particular, because all of them are going to be under fire for this entire game. Um, Dunlap, Rashad Williams, Rabbit, Baskerville, Marion Horn when he's thrown in there, Brendan Jordan when he's thrown in there. These guys are going to be on their heels because these guys motion a lot. They get a lot of guys involved. You know, they make you miss. They turn a little dig route into a 60-yard touchdown pass. These are things that Kansas is good at, you know. They they get after you, and they have their just pick which one you want to go after. Now with DeRuiter sometimes playing softer coverage, these are those things where it kind of worries me on the, on the defensive backfield. You're giving their wide receivers anywhere between five and seven yards of space between you and that's worrisome to me with a kind of offense that kansas brings so i need them to be press coveraged if that's the case or be sound in their tackling because if you miss a tackle against these guys they could turn it into a big gain or a big touchdown reception so my my players to watch is going to be the tech secondary Whoever's in there getting lined up, making sure they need to be where they need to be, wrapping up, keeping their guy in front of them and, you know, limiting some of these bigger pass plays. And then also getting those running backs to the ground because they do make a lot of receptions out of the backfield there. So, Reed, coming toward the conclusion of this podcast now, we're off to prediction time. As I alluded to earlier in the show, overall record is 22-2. and two. The Red Raiders have beaten the Kansas Jayhawks 
22 out of 24 meetings. This is meeting 25. What's your gut telling you? What's your heart telling you? What's your mind telling you, man? Is this a good weekend for the Red Raiders? Are we going to take another step to that bowl eligibility? Or is this one of those games that we're that potentially gets away from the Red Raiders? And then we have to win the last two to become bowl eligible. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely huge for, for a season outlook. I personally think if, if you lose this game, um, you're not going to be making a bowl game. Um, because, I mean, obviously you got to travel to Austin in a, in a couple of weeks, and they got a lot to play for. If they went out up to that point, then you're going to be put in a position where if you beat them, they don't go to a playoff most likely. So um, at least theoretically wise, obviously they got to win a Big 12 if, if that's the case. But um, – that's that's a tall task, and that's something I don't really see us living up to, unfortunately. So, I would like to think we could we can pull a game out this weekend um, if we can. But at the same time, I I do have a feeling Kansas is probably going to win this game. Um, I, I think Tech comes out early um, and kind of jumps to like a ten point lead, maybe even going into halftime. But unfortunately, I feel like for some reason tell me we're we're just gonna not be able to do it in the second half for some reason. So. Um, I mean, it is going to be a close game. I think it's evident to see with, with the with the point spread. I think it's only sitting at like three, three and a half right now, which, I mean, if you look at records and um, what each team has done, it's, it's pretty crazy, honestly. I mean, if if you look at it that way, if, if Kansas was coming to Tech, the line would probably be either even or Tech would be slightly favored if, if you look at it like that. So um, kind of crazy to me to think that's the case, but – Vegas obviously knows something most people don't. So, I mean, that tells me it's going to be a close game. But uh, I do think that three to three and a half margin is probably going to be pretty accurate. I think we end up losing by about three to six points, uh, roughly. Uh, I think Kansas, like I said, is probably going to they're going to be able to do a little bit more stuff on, on offense in the second half to end up breaking it away from us. Um, I think I'm going to go Kansas 37 to Tech 31. This is one of those that's really tough for me because, you know, it's it's the heart versus what your mind's telling you, what kind of games you've seen from both sides, from both sides, from Kansas's side and from Tech's side, and which team's actually going to show up. Because, like I said, it's they're both middle of the road offensively. They're both middle of the road defensively. So it's like what's got to give which defense is going to make the stop necessary or stops necessary when that time comes on either a fourth down conversion or something late in the game, who's going to make that play. And it, it's, it's a total, it's a total toss up. You don't know who's going to be there on which side of the ball. My prediction for the game is the same score. And I'm just saying it could go either way. If Kansas wins, I believe this is a score. If Tech wins, I believe this is the score. And that score is 35 to 27. I think that that's relatively close. The spread, to your point, is a three and a half spread. The over-under is 61. And, you know, I think that's fairly consistent with what these with what both of these football teams have put out on the field this year, given even the records, you know, how far off they are. One's four and five, the other seven and two. But I do think the Red Raiders keep it close, and I do think that it is going to be a close game. But I just – my mind's telling me Kansas 
35 27 my heart's telling me tech 35 kansas 27 so that's to be determined but you know texas tech like i said has has had chances late this year and they've fallen short they don't play great on the road we know that so something's got to give here right you you have to in order to win and be legitimate in the big 12 or even on the bigger scale nationally you have to win these road games these tough road games and given the fact of how big of a magnitude of a game this is out of the last two remaining road games you have this is the most winnable by a far margin so tech needs to go out there and get it done hopefully they're in their mind they're their minds are right. They did have a couple extra days to rest with the game against TCU last Thursday. So we'll see what's going to happen. Is it possible that Tech goes into Lawrence and wins? Yes, it's very possible. Is it very possible that Tech shows up to Lawrence and lays an egg? Yes, unfortunately, that's a, a possibility as well. So Yet to be determined, Tech's first 11 a.m. kick this season in Lawrence. The weather should be nice. It's just going to be a little chilly, around 50 degrees. So we'll all watch it together, and we'll see what Texas Tech team shows up and see if we take that next step to bowl eligibility and on to the next after that. McGuire has been on record, and he says it all the time. What's next? What's next? What's next? Either game situation or play we'll see what this tech team has for their what's next they got their first win against tcu last week what's next you need to go to kansas and get another w to become bowl eligible getting closer to that that goal so we'll see what texas tech team shows up on saturday morning and we'll be back with you on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening to talk about hopefully a Texas Tech win. And then we can start looking forward into Central Florida. But that's all we have for tonight, folks. Again, my name is Joe. He is Reed. We are part of the Cotton Club crew. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all of our different socials that we have out there. If you have questions, concerns, ideas, let us know. We're here for you. We're we want to know what you guys want to hear from us. Just how it is. We're just some some everyday tech fans, not insiders, don't have all of the inside scoops on anything, but you know, we are dedicated tech fans and love talking tech sports. So once again, my name is Joe. He is Reed. We are calling this an evening. You have a great rest of your week and hopefully a tech win on Saturday. Y'all have a good night and wreck them.